have a picture to show you to kind of illustrate what crafting is. So here we are, we've got Spider-Man, and there he is. It's like this weird smiling and crying at the same time. Uh, this past Monday, we were, uh, me and my family, we were swimming, and we have a rule in our family that, you know, I get to, tr I get to encourage my kids. By encourage, that means make them. Uh, I get to make them try new things one time. So if, if there's something that I think that they should do or something that they should try, if there's a new food or a new experience, they have to try it one time. If they don't like it, then I don't, I, then the deal is I won't make you do it again, but you have to try it at least one time. So this week we're at the pool and we're having a great time and Brooklyn has learned, because I made her do this, uh, she learned that if she runs from off the edge of the pool and she jumps to my arms, then that's a lot of fun. So she'll run and she'll do cannonballs and uh, I'll be there ready to catch her. She might go under the water just a little bit, uh, but it's gonna be an absolute blast. And the first time that I made her do it, she was very scared. She was kind of uh, a little bit teary and I was like, no, you know the rule. You have to try one time. You have to try one time. So she's crying and she gets back and she runs, she runs out and she jumps to my arms. And I catch her and she splashes in the water and then she starts laughing and she's like, that is fun. Again, again, again. And then I began to regret it because I spent a long time after that catching Brooklyn jumping into the pool. Well, then it was time for Jules to do it. And Jules has been watching Brooklyn have all this fun, but Jules has decided that she is not going to do this. She does not want to jump into the pool. So I told her, hey, you know the rule. You have to do it one time. And if you don't like it, you don't have to jump into the pool again, but you have to try it one time. So Jules, I'm in the pool. And I have Witten, and Jules starts to do this number. She backs up, she gets ready to jump in, and I said, the rule is you have to run, and you have to jump. So she starts running, she runs up, and then, oh, I don't want to do this. No, you know the rule, you have to try one time. Try, try one time, back up, run in. So then she'll go, and she runs up again. And I'm like, no, you, you have to do it one time. So then finally, she backs up, and then she just starts crafting. She starts laughing and she's crying because I'm laughing at all of her close to jumps and she's laughing because she knows that it's hilarious but then she's also crying because uh, she's just a, because she's a six-year-old girl and that's just what they do uh, so finally she she jumps and oh well, I'll finish the story because you'll want to know how it ends I was holding Witten in one arm and I was trying to catch her in the other and she didn't like it so much so I didn't make her do it again but she did it that one time we uh, we had fun making this memory but with both of my girls and especially with Brooklyn this week uh, it was a, a period of time where she was scared to do something and whether she would actually jump or not was determined by if she felt like I was actually going to be there for her to catch her have you ever been at a time in life where you knew that God was instructing you, God was teaching you, God was working on your heart to do something, and you kind of felt like you were crafting, kind of like you were inside and you're like, okay, God's doing this work in my heart and I want to obey, I want to do what he's told me to do, I'm excited about it, but then at the same time you're absolutely terrified. Uh, maybe you've been there, and I know uh, different people in your stories where uh, you just, you, you tried, you know, God was working on your heart about giving, and you're, there you are, and you know that God's working in your heart, and you're like, okay, I can do this, I believe, I will do this, and then you're ready to give, and then it's like, oh, but that's, that's scary, that's scary, uh, my, bu my budget, my budget, we get, we get scared to do that, uh, sometimes we, get, we can get scared about sharing our faith. 
Uh, we can get really excited. We understand that, hey, it's important that I share the gospel. It's important that, that I tell other people the good news about Jesus. And we can get excited about it, and we want to do it. We want to invest. We want to uh, do a Bible study with, it, with somebody, and we're excited about it. And then it's like, but that's really scary to put myself out there and hand them, hand them an invitation or hand them a, a gospel booklet or, or, or to reach out to them and share the love of Jesus with somebody. Now, sometimes it's just it's just stepping outside of our comfort zone when God's leading us to do something. And maybe God has been working in your heart to do something for his glory and for the good of your family or for the good of the neighborhood. Or uh, I would love it if God raised up within our church people who want to do good for the city. And, and God is working on your heart. And you say, OK, I want to obey him. I'm excited. But it's scary at the same time. We all reach those points. Uh, I don't know how many times over the last couple of years uh, since God has called us to move to Houston, where I've been excited about something, but then it's scary at the same time. It's very scary at the same time. Today, I want to share with you this. Whenever it comes to trusting God, whenever it comes to stepping out by faith, whenever it comes to making the jump, we can jump into the arms of Jesus. We can jump in obedience to Jesus whenever he's leading us and calling us to step out of our comfort zone for his honor and glory. Why? Because he is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 8. And really, this is one of the most beautiful stories of faith in the whole Bible, I think. But, um, and, and we're going to have a great time studying it this morning. Verse number 5 says, When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. So Jesus has been traveling. You remember uh, in our series, Jesus was up on the mountaintop teaching the Sermon on the Mount, and now he is beginning to travel. He's traveling all over northern Israel to different cities, preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's preaching the good news of the kingdom, Matthew 4, chapter 4 tells us. And whenever he comes into the city of Capernaum, uh, whenever he comes into the city, the Bible says that he is confronted by a centurion. Now, immediately, that may not mean a whole lot to you when you just hear centurion, but that would mean a lot if you were reading it back in Jesus's day or the first readers of this book, because a centurion was not a Jewish person. Jesus is teaching. Uh, Jesus is teaching a lot of Jewish people. Jesus is teaching people from so even surrounding Israel. So at this point, Jesus is teaching some Gentiles. But a centurion was a whole nother level. You see, a centurion was a Roman soldier. Rome occupies the world and they occupy Israel. They, they don't view the Jews as even really fully human. They just kind of view them as, as annoying bugs that they <laughs> occupy. The people that, the Roman soldiers that would live in Israel, they didn't even like being there because they didn't view them on, as being on the same level. They're just fulfilling their assignments. And not only is the centurion a Roman soldier, the centurion, uh, and you might, if you break down the word, you can kind of see it. The first part, century, uh, centurion, means 100. So this man is a ruler. He is a, he is a general, if you will, or a captain of 100 Roman soldiers. So he's not just any soldier. He is a soldier of soldiers. 
Uh, he, is a, he is a Roman centurion soldier, a leader of uh, a large group of people. We do see in another gospel that he was actually quite different than your stereotypical Roman soldier in the sense that he was actually pretty kind in his area. He even built a synagogue for the Jewish people. So this is a nice guy, and the people actually wanted Jesus to help this man out. They say, hey, Jesus, we know that we don't really like the Romans, but hey, this, this guy, if, there, if it's possible for there to be a good one, this guy's it. Uh, but this man comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, would you please come and heal my servant? Now, that's really interesting, too, because at this time, these servants that people would have, uh, I think it was Aristotle said this, that a, that a servant or a slave uh, wasn't even considered human. He says, whenever you have an old, worn-out tool, you throw it away. When you have an old, worn-out servant, you throw it away, because the only difference between the two is that one breathes. Like, that was the attitude of Aristotle thousands of years ago, but that's not the attitude that this centurion has. This centurion actually cares for this person that lives in his house. And he says, Lord, uh, would you please come heal my servant? So Jesus says, yeah, I'll, I'll come heal your servant. And uh, let's, let's just go ahead and go right now. Now, I love this about the character of Jesus. You remember last week when we talked about the leper, uh, how no one wanted to touch a leper. No one wanted to be around a leper. In fact, different rabbis would carry around rocks. And if a leper was anywhere near them, they would actually throw rocks at them to keep them away. Uh, but Jesus reaches out and he touches the leper and heals the leper. That's who Jesus is. And here, whenever the centurion comes asking for healing, Jesus says, yeah, come on, let's go. I'll go with you and I will touch this. I will touch this servant and I will, I will heal him. Well, then I want you to notice how the centurion answers. In verse number eight, he says, Lord. Now that's an interesting note. Lord. He recognizes something about Jesus. Like a Roman just wouldn't speak to a Jewish person and say, Lord, can you, can you come help me? Uh, but he says, Lord, I am not worthy that you would even come under my roof. I'm not even worthy that you would be in my presence. In fact, right now I'm stepping out on a limb just to have this conversation with you. I am not worthy, but I understand something about you. I understand that if you just speak the word right now, then... If you just speak the word right now, then my servant will be healed. And then he says, here's how I know this. Because my words carry a lot of authority. I'm, I'm a centurion. I'm a leader of 100 men. And whenever I say something, whenever I say, hey, hey, you, go, go do this for me. And whenever I say to another soldier, hey, come into my office, that all I have to do is speak the words. And then whatever I want done, my will is done. He says, I'm a man under authority. I understand how authority works in my context. And as I watch you and as I've heard of you and as I've seen what you can do, you have that kind of authority over everything. So if you'll just speak the word, then, then these diseases have to obey you. These powers of darkness have to obey you. So you just speak the word and I know that my servant will be healed. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's pretty amazing faith. And then it says in verse number 10 that when Jesus hears it, he marveled. That's an amazing idea. That Jesus would marvel at this person's faith. I mean, think about who this Jesus is. The Bible says that by him, all things exist. He created all things, and by him, all things exist. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He made all things, and by him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the creator of the universe. Have you ever just stopped to think about how incredible that is? 
that like with his words, he just spoke the stars into existence. And, and we're still discovering like galaxies and, and different things like that. We can't decide if Pluto is a planet or not. Uh, yeah, Jesus just spoke into existence and boom, there it is. And then he says, hey, let there be a sun and a moon. And with his words, it happens. And then there's the sun. And with his words, he created that. Like the sun has so much energy, yet with his simple words, he's spoken into being. Like whenever he created this world, he said, hey, let there be seeds. And they like the universe didn't even have to say, what is a seed? Like, no, he said, let there be seeds. And there were seeds. Let there be land. There was land. Like he did all of these things. Think about all of the amazing things that Jesus had seen, that Jesus had been witness to, that Jesus had caused throughout the Old Testament. Think about the, the crossing of the Red Sea. Think about the crossing of the Red Sea whenever Israel was leaving Egypt and they had to go across the Red Sea and Egypt was chasing them down and God parted the Red Sea and the children of Israel walked across on dry ground. I always love that one. That miracle always just gets picked on by people as saying like, hey, God, how could God couldn't do that? Like whatever. And it's like, uh, I love this story. There was, a, there was an older man who was talking to a little boy. The little boy was reading a Bible and he said, what are you reading? And he said, I'm reading about when, when God parted the Red Sea. He said, you know, God didn't really do that. There was just a really strong wind. And actually, at that time of year, there was more of a drought. Uh, so there's really just two inches of water, probably, where Israel actually walked across the Red Sea. So they did cross the Red Sea. They just walked across two inches of water. And the boy's jaw dropped. And he said, wow, God is even more amazing than I thought. Because after Israel crossed the, the Red Sea in two inches of water, he drowned the entire Egyptian army in it. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Think about that. God parting the Red Seas. God, in the book of Joshua, making the sun stand still. It's the only day where there's been more than 24 hours in a day when the sun just stood still for the children of Israel so that he could give them a victory. And just so you know, if you're in the room, that's not why we have leap year. That's what I thought for a little while. That's not why we have leap year. Uh, but he made the sun stand still. There's all of these different amazing moments throughout the Old Testament that you can read about where God just does amazing, miraculous things. Have you ever thought about the Lord Jesus Christ was there for all of it? There's a lot of marvelous things in our universe. There's a lot of marvelous, marvelous things in world history. And here, Jesus is marveling at faith. Jesus is marveling at faith. So he begins to give a teaching that we're going to dive into at the end of the message. And then with his words, the story closes with him saying, go your way, your servant is healed. And, and just with his words, he heals and most of the time, that's where the story ends. I remember the first time that I read this, uh, I was a teenager and I was just reading my Bible and I read about Jesus marveling at this man and I read it and I just thought, wow, that is amazing faith. I want to be like the centurion. So there's, there's a message, be like the centurion. Have incredible faith, never doubt, never fear, just walk into the presence of God and ask for big things. But whenever I look at that, I can't think of times in my life where I've really had that kind of faith. A lot of times, whenever I look at that, I get a little bit discouraged. God, that kind of faith, that's, uh, that's, that, you know, that, that's big, that's bold faith, that's incredible faith. I don't, and today, I don't know how helpful it is just to say, hey, you know what? Stop being afraid, just have that kind of faith. When Matthew wrote this, his purpose was not to say, was not, Hey, lift up. Let's look at this amazing, incredible centurion. Over the course of really these chapters, what Matthew is doing, the picture that he's painting is, look at how incredible Jesus is. Let's look at how incredible Jesus is. 
And today, here is the point. I think all of us would love to have the faith of the centurion. I want to have strong faith like the centurion had. I would love it if, if the God of the universe would look at my faith and the things that I endeavored to do for his honor and glory and that he would marvel at that. But today, how do we get there? How do we have that kind of faith? You have to see what the centurion saw. You have to see Jesus as worthy. You have to see Jesus as trustworthy. Just like my girls were a little bit nervous about jumping into the water, they, they weren't so nervous, or at least Brooklyn, wasn't so nervous once she knew that I would catch her. So today what we need to see is, hey, if we're going to have big faith, if we're going to have faith that, that works, if we're going to have faith uh, that is actually God-honoring and God-glorifying, we have to see the Jesus who this centurion believed in. So today I have just a couple of principles for you, and it's in your worship guide if you want to go ahead and write these down. Uh, but here's the first thing that we need to see is the most important thing about my faith is the object of my faith, not the size of my faith. Let's start with there. The most important thing about my faith is the object of my faith, not the size of my faith. Because a lot of times we get into this mindset and there's a lot of teaching out there that, hey, if you just have enough faith, if you just believe, then whatever you want will happen. You just speak it and boom, it will exist. But there's one person who did that in all of world history and his name is God who just spoke things and it, became, it came to be. Uh, but here we see that the most important thing about my faith is the object of my faith, not the size of my faith. You see, this centurion, if he would have gone to his general, and if he would have gone to his general and he said, General, like you're a pretty powerful guy. You're a pretty awesome dude. Uh, hey, I think you can do pretty incredible things. Would you heal my servant? He could have all the faith in the world, but his servant would not be healed. He could go to the emperor who many people regarded to be God. And if he would have went to the emperor of Rome, the, the ruler of the world, and said, hey, would you please heal my servant with your words? It wouldn't happen. We have to understand that the, that the object of my faith is the most important thing about my faith. So today, to illustrate this, to, to show this as an example, I have a couple of things that I want to show you uh, this morning. Uh, that's heavy. That's heavier than I thought. So I have these couple of I have these, a couple of these platforms that I'm going to stand on. I'm going to stand on them. I'm, I'm excited. I believe. I believe that they will hold me. Okay. So let's go ahead and start off with this. And I'm excited. I'm going to take off. I'm going to take off my jacket here because uh, I got to take a good running start. All right. So I have this. I have this box. I believe that it's going to stand. All right. And I'm. I'm so, It's not going to hold me. I'm thankful I didn't hurt myself really bad. No matter how much I believe, like I had a lot of faith, didn't I? I had all kinds of faith. Like I jumped, like you, like you can't jump bigger than I, well, I mean, maybe you can, but I can't jump bigger than I just jumped. Like I believe that this would hold me. Did it hold me? No, it didn't. Right. So now I'm a little bit nervous. Now I'm, now I'm a little bit nervous. All right, so we got. All right, so we got this box. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm on it. If I fall off this, I'll get hurt worse. All right. So I'm saying. Okay, here's my question for you. Okay, you ready, church? Which, which, getting onto the box was I more confident? All right, which one did I show more confidence? The cardboard box. All right, I was, I crawled up on this one. I'm pretty shaky right now. All right, 
But am I standing? Yes. yes. Am I standing? Yes. yes. Why? Because this is strong enough to hold me. The cardboard box is not strong enough to hold me. And here's what we need to understand about our faith. Is that your faith is not all about you. It's all about Jesus, whom you believe and whom you trust in. I've been studying with, uh, with, uh, with Aiden. We've been studying on Thursdays about Abraham and Abraham's faith. The Bible says that Abraham had faith, that he believed God, and that it was counted to him as righteousness. You know what the Bible says in the very next verse? Abraham says, God, how in the world is that going to happen? God says something. It says, the Bible says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for his righteousness. And the next verse, Abraham said, God, I, I just, I, can't, I have trouble believing this. Uh, whenever Abraham gets news and Abraham believes God, the Bible says that Abraham laughs. If you read in Hebrews chapter 11, you can read about Sarah, Abraham's wife, having so much faith, she believed God that she had a son named Isaac at 90 years old. You know, whenever she gets the news in Genesis chapter 18, she starts laughing and she says, hey, how in the world, I'm a 90-year-old woman, how am I going to have a kid? How is my husband who's 100? How is he going to have a kid? How is that going to happen? When you read about their faith, it just, you don't read it and say, wow, what amazing, marvelous faith. But who their faith was in is what mattered. And can I just tell you something today that maybe you feel like, man, as I look at this kind of faith, as I look at this centurion's faith, I just feel like a failure. I just feel like I feel weak. I, I struggle to put my faith and trust in God. Can I tell you something? That Jesus is who your faith must be in. And if your faith is in Jesus, he will hold you fast. He will hold you fast. The most important thing about my faith is the object of my faith, not the size of my faith. But I want you to notice the next truth. And when I see Jesus as worthy and trustworthy, my faith will grow. When I see Jesus as worthy and as trustworthy, my faith will grow. And here, the centurion absolutely believed Jesus because he had been a witness to Jesus. He had seen what Jesus had done. He had seen Jesus perform these miracles. He had heard Jesus' word. So as he watched Jesus, his faith was such that he could walk up to him and say, Hey, I believe, Jesus, that you can speak the word and my sermon will be healed across town. And he believed this and he said this because he knew that Jesus was so much greater than he was, that he was so much greater, uh, he was so much more powerful, he was so much more amazing that he wasn't even worthy to be in his presence. And can I challenge you, church, that if we're going to be people of faith, it's got to be not because we just say, hey, I'm going to buckle up my bootstraps and I'm just going to get bigger faith. No, it's going to be because we see Jesus as trustworthy. My kids would jump into the pool because they knew I would catch them. And you can trust and you can obey and you can follow God when you know, hey, he is trustworthy. He will catch you. When I see Jesus as worthy and as trustworthy, my faith will grow. When I was climbing up on the box, I was a little bit shaky, but the longer that I stood and the more, the more that I stood, the more that I saw that, hey, it'll hold me so I can be more confident. Did you know faith works a lot that way? It work, works in a very similar way. Faith is actually very similar. I, I found in my own life, faith is very similar to working out. Faith is very similar to working out. What do I mean by that? The more that you exercise it, the stronger it gets. And whenever you're not exercising it, you get weak. It's amazing. Whenever I was in college, um, whenever I was in college and played basketball, my coach told me, David, you know how to play the game, but you're way too weak. Thanks, coach. He said, you've got to go put on 20 pounds of muscle. So over the course of several months, I did. It was amazing. I was working out all the time. Like some of the guys that would work out every day, they saw me whenever I first came in. And then several months down the road, they looked at me and they said, whoa, David, you're, you've gotten a lot bigger. You know what's amazing? I stopped working out. 
and I got weak again. The more that we exercise our faith, the more it grows. The more that we see Jesus as trustworthy, the more that we see him as glorious, the more that we see him as beautiful, the more that I can, that I can obey him because I trust him, because I know who he is. Because I know who he is. So today I want to give you just a couple of practical application points as uh, for growing and developing and strengthening our faith. The step number one, uh, as we apply this, the first principle is behold. Behold him. You want to grow in your faith, behold him every day. Spend time in the word and in prayer daily to know Jesus. To know Jesus. If I'm going to have big faith, it's going to be, it's going to be because I know who he is. So spend time with him in his word to know him. When you read the scripture, God, I want to know you. So study, behold him. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all, as with open face, beholding the glory of the Lord are changed from glory to glory. The Bible says the more that you look at Jesus, the more you become like him. The more you look at Jesus, the more you become like him. Did you know that typically studies have shown, research has shown, that you become the average of your five of your five closest friends. Like, you, you end up weighing, like this is kind of weird, uh, you end up weighing about the average of your five closest friends. Uh, studies have shown that, you, that people make about the same amount of money as their five closest friends. Now, I need to get some, no, I'm just kidding, just kidding. You become like who you're with. You become what you look at. Listen, if I just work out once a week, I'm not really going to get that strong. I've got to work out daily. Uh, I can eat one meal really good. I can eat really healthy for one meal, and then at night just snack on Oreos and milk. That one healthy meal isn't going to cut it for me. I have to be consistent to look at Jesus, and my faith will grow. Uh, behold him. The second principle that I want to share is try him. Do something that stretches your faith. Uh, I'm not encouraging you to just be dumb. Like, I'm going to go do this dumb thing. Um, but try him. If the Holy Spirit works on your heart about something, obey him and see that he's, he's faithful. See that he's trustworthy. Uh, going back to jump in the pool. Whenever you get caught, you have more confidence to jump again. Uh, try him. Do something that stretches your faith and then finally rinse and repeat. I think, okay, obey him. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, obey him. And then the final principle is this. Rinse and repeat. It's the, it's the consistent exercise of my faith that strengthens my faith. It works for diet, it works for exercise, and it works for faith too. The more I trust him, the more that I obey him, the more that my faith will grow. Why? Not because of me, but because of him and who he is. As we close the message, Jesus makes this incredible point. In verse number 10, when Jesus heard, heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west, many shall come from east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus takes this one moment where he's speaking into this one sick servant's life, where he sees this one centurion who steps up to Jesus and says, Jesus, with your word, would you, just, would you heal my servant? And then Jesus takes it and he says, this, does, this faith doesn't just apply 
This faith doesn't just apply to this one moment. This faith is what is needed for eternity. You see, the Jewish people that were listening to Jesus, they thought that they would spend eternity in heaven with God just because they were Jewish people. They thought that because of their race, because of their ethnicity, that they would spend forever with God. And can I tell you something, friends? We know this, that it's, our ethnicity doesn't make us any better than anybody else. Our ethnicity doesn't make us, uh, doesn't make us any more uh, pleasing in God's sight, doesn't make any of us any more lovable based on whatever your ethnicity is. Our relationship with God is, the, is based upon faith. Jesus is saying this faith is what is needed for eternity. Um, here he says that there will be many who think that they're going to get in because they're Jewish. And they're not. They're going, to be spend, they're going to spend eternity separated from God in eternal torment. And there's going to be people who you'd say, those people would never get in. And they're going to get in because of faith. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Mm-hmm. And then not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. There's nothing you can do. You can't just attend church enough to earn heaven. You can't be baptized enough to earn heaven. You can't speak in tongues enough to earn heaven. You can't do anything to earn heaven. It is simply by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done. A couple of months ago, I was, well, I don't know how long ago it was, when we were in Canada. We were flying back and we were flying through this little airport in Bellingham, Washington. Uh, we got dropped off at the airport. My in-laws dropped us off at the airport. We went inside, and I looked at the screen uh, where all the flights that were taking off for the day were listed. And it was really interesting because whenever I looked at the screen in this little airport, there was, like I think, like six or seven flights that were taking off that day. And here's the way that it looked. Seattle, 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 <laughs> Vegas to Houston. So all, of these, all of these flights, but all of them were headed to Seattle, except for one. I think there might have been one other to Oakland, but for sake of this illustration, there was one. To Vegas, I was going to get me to Houston. As Jesus speaks, he said, the only way to have eternal life with God, there is, you can hop on a lot of planes, you can put your faith and trust in a lot of things, you can, tr- you can try to do a lot of works, and all of that has one destination, and it's an eternity in hell separated from God. There is one way to heaven, and his name is Jesus. And we enjoy him now and for eternity through faith in him. So jump into the water with Jesus. The water is great. He can catch you. He's that good. He's that worthy. We can believe him because of who he is. So let's exercise our faith, trusting, trusting him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Lord, I ask and pray that you help us to live by faith. Pray that you'd help us to be people of faith. Lord, we know that we can't just wish our way to bigger faith. We can't just uh, try to psych ourselves up for bigger faith. Faith is the byproduct of, of seeing and believing who you are and finding you trustworthy. It's the evidence of things hoped for. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us as a church to be people of faith. Help us to be people who, who love you and, and just focus on you. And as we see you come through for us, may our faith grow because you're worthy. And Lord, I pray that if there's any person today who's been trusting in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ alone for their soul, for their eternity, then Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would be saved. In Jesus' name we pray.